0: Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at GIS.sport/fnr. That's GIS.sport/fnr. Sometimes I feel I don't know. I don't know. Buonasera, buonasera, buona
1: There's no really time to relax and take an espresso for
0: Juventus. (laughs) You thought I forgot about you, didn't you? You thought I forgot about you, didn't you? Attaccare! Attaccare! Isn't it beautiful?
1: (laughs) (laughs) H-E-A. Not yet. It It is just beautiful. It is.
0: I don't know what it
1: is, but it is beautiful.
0: You're listening to FNRM. This is Milan, Milan. No, I'm just kidding. This is, uh, you're listening to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. What you are listening to over the top of that, in fact, is the Milan Anthem. Milan, Milan. The song that they play at the end of every win of a home game. And it's such a beautiful anthem. A lot of memories associating that with that song, going all the way back to the nineties into the two thousands. Good times. And right now, Milan are four points away from history. We're going to talk all about that. Four points away from winning their first Scudetto in eleven years. We're going to talk some Scottish football a little bit later on. Obviously, Celtic on the brink of getting it done under Ange Postacoglu. Lockie. I know they did it at the expense of your boys' hearts.
1: Yeah, it's, but, it, it's, it's very conflicting, but we'll, we'll
0: talk about that later. Absolutely. And we'll also go back and have a look at the Champions League, a bit of as well, the permutations coming out of that. We've got a big final coming up between Liverpool and Real Madrid, as well as big Europa League and Conference League finals as well, which you we might touch on. And we're getting towards the nitty gritty part of the season, so a lot to look forward to. But this show today brought to you by the Global Institute of Sport, GIS. If you're looking to start a career in sport, head over to their website, get involved. Uh, plenty of great courses here in Melbourne. You can learn... Down here at the MCG. I mean, why wouldn't you want to learn at the so MCG? It's not bad there.
1: There are far worse places to learn. That's no, absolutely, absolutely
0: right. Or you could head over, if you're over in the UK, go down to Wembley. Yeah, down our, to the our stadium. friend, uh, you can probably
1: see our friend, Thomas Barker. He has a, an apartment. He's a GIS, yes, GIS he graduate yep. as well. Uh, did his course uh, in Melbourne and is now living in the UK, right around the corner from the, uh, the UCFB or the GIS campus in London, which is Wembley Stadium. He can see it. From his yeah. window. And you if you were a student there, you could probably see him.
0: Absolutely. If you want to go see Thomas. And should, Fleeta, he would London. be a good person
1: to get <laughs> yeah. advice from about all things GIS.
0: Absolutely. So if you're looking to launch a career in the football industry, you know, study a master's degree in football business or even football coaching and analysis. So if you're more into the nitty-gritty, the, you know, the coaching side of things, the data, the stats, this is the place for you. So applications are available to start next year in February 2023. Say next year, uh, twenty twenty. But Lockie, it is not twenty twenty anymore. Even though time has sort of stood still for the past three Wake years. Wake up, Nick! Man, uh, been in a coma can... for the last. Two years. <laughs> so you've missed a lot. Learn more all about this. Head over to gis.sport slash fnr. That's gis.sport dot though no, gis.sport slash fnr. But Lockie, us yeah, dots get and dashes. They're hard. Yeah, there are a lot. There's a lot to take in. It's been a long weekend, Lockie. You know, you've you've commentated five games this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you ago. know, you've been all over the state. You were. Danny Lang Warren, you're in uh Parkville, you were in Epping. I was as far north as Epping and as far south as, 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 as Langwarren. As far east as Knox. Yeah, you really went all over the place. Yeah. Even without a scaffold.
1: Yeah, well look you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. You absolutely. gotta do what you gotta do. When you wanna see uh F E emerging and F C Bullying Lions put on a, a cracker game to finish out the weekend. You know, yeah, you make the sacrifices. You travel to Knox. You stand on your own two feet, not atop a scaffold, but atop
0: the uh, the outline of a three G pitch. No, absolutely, absolutely. But Lockie, let's go to this morning because this morning another twist and turn to the C R title race. Probably the only title race outside of the Premier League that is still somewhat active at the moment. That is. You know, in with a bit of a fighting chance among the big leagues. We're not going to go to the nitty gritties of smaller European nations. Sorry. Uh, but we're going to have a look there because Inter struck first on Saturday morning. They came back from 2-0 down against Empoli in one four two. 4 2 I was getting excited. I thought, oh boy, Empoli is going to cause a massive boil over. Inter battled back. This morning, Milan were down 1-0 on the road against Hellas Verona. Mm. But then Sandro Tonali, with a double, two goals either side of halftime, got Milan back in the lead before Alessandro Florenzi in his first game in about a month after a knee injury, comes onto the pitch and within seconds scored a cracking volley to wrap up the three points. And right now, Milan are two points ahead of Inter on the table and four points. Yes, they only need four points from their last two games to secure their first Serie A title in 11 years. And what a turnaround it's been. Throughout what has been a tough period for Milan fans, but the light at the end of the tunnel is right here, and oh, it's great.
1: It's so close, isn't it? It's yeah. You can almost, you are almost in reach out and and touch it kind of territory. Yeah, and and this, I I dare say that this kind of um, a performance and this win against Hellas Verona is the kind of win that you expect a champion champions team to get. I mean, you were the better side on the balance of the play throughout the game. You know, had the better of the chances all day. But going behind would be very easy for a team who haven't been in that championship, you know, only one time in recent years that you've sort of mm. been genuinely in the championship fight. Yeah. Um, not necessarily having that experience of pulling things out of your rear end at the pointy end of the season. <laughs> and this is a game where if you didn't have that in your locker, you could very easily have just Absolutely. lost all those chances that you had, would have just drifted wide rather than ending up in. And eventually you're able to turn things around. And that's... It's kind of a backs to a backs to the wall situation, turning things around that are only teams that are good enough to claim a scudetto or their, you know, mm. uh, trophy variant in their country can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this morning was a testament to the, I guess the the medal and the the work that Stefano Pioli has done with this team in instilling a lot of belief and a lot of, you know, there's it's it's I mean it's no secret Stefano Pioli has is, is not at the same level as, say, Antonio Conte as a coach. He's maybe not even the best coach in Serie A right now. There probably are better coaches than him, you know, that have been there and done it. You're looking at some of the guys he's going up against. I mean, Jose Mourinho, Max Allegri, Luciano Spalletti, Maurizio Sari. Even Simone Inzaghi's done more than Stefano Pioli in in the coaching race. But Pioli has instilled that belief in this team that, Milan of, of old would have dropped a lot of these games. And there was a point a few weeks ago, and even a couple months ago, we would have thought it's looking to be precarious right now for Milan. But in the, a lot of the big games, to their credit, they have been able to eke out the points they need to. Yeah. And in these big games, you know, against Lazio a couple of weeks ago, when a goal down, battled back, won on the road 2-1. Tough game against Fiorentina last week. Late winner. That was enough to get over the line again today. Gone behind on the road against a very good Hellas Verona team. It's one thing. To really make clear, this is a good Hellas Verona team. This is not the team that was battling relegation a few years ago. They are a very, very solid football side. And Milan had to battle. They had to scrap. They had to fight. They had to take their chances. And they did. And, you know, out of coming, it came from, you know, a player who you wouldn't have thought would be the guy to score those sort of goals. But Sandro Tonali has now scored three of Milan's biggest goals this season. He scored the winner against Lazio a few weeks ago. He scored two goals, actually had the ball in the back of the net three times, but had a goal disallowed in the early portions of the game. And then Alessandro Florenzi with the goal. I mean, they didn't have to rely on Olivier Giroud. He did put in a decent shift for over that hour. Lockie, I know he's your boy. Didn't have to rely on Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming off the bench and, and pinching a winner. It was all off the back of great work from guys like Rafael Liao, guys like Sandro Tonali, and even some of the legwork by guys like Rade Krunic, who got a rare start and, you know, just worked hard and put in a tiresome effort in the middle of the park. And guys Hustled. like... He, yeah, definition of hustle. He's not the greatest player, but he puts in a shift. And you know what? He's much maligned amongst Milan fans, myself included. When I saw the starting lineup, I thought, what the hell is going on here? Why is he starting ahead of Benassar or Brahim Diaz? And even someone like Alexis Salamakers, too. So, right now, there's two games left. Milan, when you compare with Inter's run home, always had the tougher run home. But the games actually suit against these teams, actually, suit Milan more because they're playing teams that want to play on the front foot. They're going to leave themselves open at the back. Milan don't like playing the teams. They're going to put 11 behind the ball and and frustrate, and they're very well-organized defensively. Milan want to play that open, expansive style, because they have guys literally just running with numbers. Milan attack with numbers. They attack in waves. They press high up the pitch. They want to win the ball early and go. And when you can do that well, when you do that well against teams like Hellas Verona, Fiorentina, and especially against teams like Atalanta and Sassuolo in the next two weeks it's going to work perfectly for them. And I just get this sense that right now, I just can't see them, you know, coughing it up from here. I know that could come back and bite me in the ass by saying that, but I get this feeling that actually the pressure is more on Inter right now because oh, Inter have got a big couple of weeks. they got the Coppa Italia final on Thursday against Juventus. They have to go on the road and play Cagliari on Monday after Milan play Atalanta. And Cagliari are battling for their lives to stay in Serie A. And then they play Sampdoria in the last game who are also battling for their lives to stay in Serie A. So the fact that Milan could beat Atalanta early in the day on Monday, get, put that five-point gap and literally say to Inter, you need to win to stay alive. Like anything less than that and it's it's over. Puts a lot of pressure on them because they could have some tired bodies after the Coppa Italia final. Depends how much Inzaghi rotates. There's a lot of different permutations coming out of this and a lot of different sort of um, subplots, which really could determine how things go next week. But I get this feeling that I wouldn't be surprised when we roll into the studio next week that the Scudetto might be decided by then.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because you, as you point out on paper, the final two games for, for Milan compared to Inter, probably more difficult, you know, playing yeah, absolutely Hunter and Sassuolo. But as you said, Milan probably a team that... Do better against sides that are going to come at them. Are also going to have that willingness to progress the ball. So that's the answer then they're, they're not easy beats, but, but they're not playing but well in recent yeah. time, and in recent times. Uh, Milan have, have had the wood over them. So yeah, yeah I, I would be. Look, we're not gonna. The lid's not gonna come off until until it's, it's, it's until it's, 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 a, it's done when it's done. Like, ready until <laughs> the water boiling underneath. Yeah. They're just gonna blast yeah. it off, pretty much. But it was an interesting point you made with specific respect to this game against against Verona, Nick. The blend that Milan have of like co- team cohesion mm. and, and flooding numbers forward and individual quality player for player. Like There are a lot of teams in Europe who don't get that balance right. I think Real Madrid are, are maybe a good example, and we'll talk about them later, of yeah. maybe being a little bit too reliant on individuals to stand up and... Mm you know, create something out of nothing as opposed to having a cohesive yeah. plan. But Milan, they seem to have that perfect axis in this game in particular because obviously two of the goals that were created were pieces of, you know, a player sort of mm. taking the game on their own shoulders and Rafael Leal's mazy dribbles down the left for two assists are part of that. But it's backed up with the team cohesion and the, the fluidity of Absolutely, approach because yeah. Rafa's run is, is all well and good down the left, but there's no goal in the end if it doesn't come from Tonali having the presence of mind and the instruction to, you know, come out of that deeper midfield position and drift into the box. And he wasn't just waiting around on the edge Mm. of the box. He was right there on the touchline and he's, you know, he's a deep lying midfielder. So to have the presence of mind to be able to do that um, is perfect. And that's a real, yeah, it just seems like Milan have have struck, have got that perfect balance.
0: Well, it's interesting because Tonali is one of the, I wouldn't call him a weird kind of midfielder, but he's like, he's one of the quickest central midfielders I have seen in in, in football right now. Off the mark, like he is mm. ridiculously, and you wouldn't even pick it because everyone looks at Sandro Tonali and goes, he plays exactly like Pirlo because he looks like Pirlo. And people make that distinction. He he's
1: not the same player. But at they are at the all. polar at opposites.
0: All. He's yeah. not someone who gets the ball and dictates from deep. Tonali is an all-action, go kind of player. He's winning the ball back. He's getting forward. He's firing shots from range, he's getting into the areas you saw, um, putting himself in areas to score goals. You mentioned about those late runs. All of his last three goals have come from exactly the same kind of play. Again, making those late runs into the box and putting himself in those areas. And he actually has spoken about that recently, about how purely's given him extra instruction to actually get forward and get in those areas, because usually that is from Kessie making those runs. But there's been a bit of an a bit of a shift now that Kessie actually plays a lot deeper. Kessie's form as of late hasn't been great. It's been a really frustrating part of it because it looks like he's almost just meandering into the end of the season. We know he's off at the end of the year. He's off to Barcelona, as all reports are saying. Um, and to be honest, good so riddance. That, anyway. um, you know, Ismail Beneser, unfortunately, isn't in the team right now. But Tonali, I, I, the, the improvement this season has been amazing because last season, his first year at Milan, he struggled. I think there were oh, very high expectations of him because of the way he played at Brescia. Um, but into deciding not to take up the option to sign him when they had the real chance first and saying he was too expensive is really coming back to bite them because Milan have made this investment. They've backed him in after a tough first season and it's bearing fruit right now. And this guy is going to be part of this Milan project probably going forward. I mean, it's easy to forget he's, what, 21 years old as well.
1: Yeah, and that's that's also the crazy part of all this is that this, this project that was a, a sort of long-term thing so much requirement and focus on developing a side that can be a bit of a dynasty, you know, mm. maybe take a couple of years to settle. It's all, I mean, obviously it hasn't happened just yet, but it's it's on the verge of happening a lot sooner than I think many people would. Yeah. Obviously the, the Milan rebuild has been going <laughs> for a very, very, very long, long time, time yeah. but I'm talking specifically Pioli and that sort of mm. youthful no, zeal.
0: No, you are right though, because this squad is the squad assembled from the moment... Before Pioli took over, a lot of those players came in in that transfer window. Mm. Teo Hernandez, Beneser, uh, even, I mean, Rade Kranich, technically, a lot of these guys, Rafael Leal, uh, were players all signed in that in that period, then Pioli sort of sprinkled in a few of the others. Yeah. Um, and I hate to use the term money ball signing, but Pierre Kalulu is a, the summary of that. He never played a senior game. And Milan said, well, we're going to bring you in. We're going to develop you. And well, now look at him. Junior Macias. As Junior well. Macias as well. Alexis Salamakers as well mm, too. 100%. So you're looking at all these guys that have sort of come from nowhere. And, and the only players really that were there prior to that is Davide Calabria, who is a Milan youth product, and Franchesi, who is the last of the the big 11 that was signed back in 2017 with guys like Bonucci and, uh, you know, Andre Silva and Nikola Kalinic and Andrea Conti and uh, Ricardo Rodriguez to go all the way back to Goodness, those sort of names. Me. Fabio Borini as well. It, it, it's, it, it's been a tough time because this Milan team has rebuilt a lot since 2011. And now it's finally bearing fruit. And I think this team is is almost doing this a year prematurely. Yeah. I think next season with the promise of added investment at new owners that are coming in and also the potential now to build on what is, I think, really good foundations. Now to actually go from, all right, we've won the league with this team. What can we do when we add a better right winger, which is a still a big weakness for me line a better number nine. I know Olivier Giroud is your boy, but Giroud, they need someone else there because Giroud's not getting any younger. Zlatan is on his last legs. Rebic isn't reliable. They need a better number 10. They're losing Front Kessie, so they're going to bring in Renato Sanchez. They need better defensive depth in some areas as well. So it's going to be an interesting off season, but I think this Milan team could potentially go from being this, you know, sort of top four-ish team that has, you know, kind of overachieved this year to an extent, so maybe next season pushing on and really kicking on and going for maybe back-to-back and maybe even going on a deep run in the Champions League. I mean, it was good for some of these guys to get that opportunity in the Champions League this season. But what's to say that they can't go deep next year? Champions League is in Milan's DNA as well. That's one thing to remember <laughs> as well.
1: So what I'm hearing you say, Nick, you're, you're sounding a lot like Rio Ferdinand right now when OGS first took over Manchester United. What you saying is Pioli's at the
0: wheel. AC Milan
1: <laughs> are back.
0: They are back. They've been back for quite some time now. They have but been. No, but I mean like the consistent oh, performers. Like... Yeah, look, that proof will be in the pudding because yeah. I think the other teams will improve next season. Yeah. I think Inter as well will improve a lot with new ownership. Um, and as well, if they sign Palo Di Bala and they bring in all the promise, mm. all the promise that they want to, all those players they want to bring. I think Juventus will be better next season. I think Napoli will be better. I think Roma will be better. I think all those teams are going to improve. Yeah. But... Milan as well, I think, are just going to keep going to that next step because there's continuity there. There is a lot of continuity with this squad, and I don't think they're going to have an exodus at the end of this season. They might have a few players that leave. I think Kessie gets – obviously, he'll he'll move on. Uh, Zlatan will probably retire – um, you know, some of the other guys that got in on loan might not get extended. I'm talking Bakayoko, who we haven't seen in months, and maybe Junior Macias. Yeah, it's a shame that hasn't panned out. No, really. I mean, yeah. he was he hoped. was good in his first stint at Milan, yeah. but it hasn't worked out for him. But the players that they want to bring in, I mean, Renato Sanchez is a done deal. He's going to be coming in to replace Fronkesti, which I think is quite an interesting signing. Um, Sven Bottman as well from Lille to come in. If Romagnoli does leave, if or even if he stays, they might, keep, they might bring him in. And then as well, looking at, you know, bringing in someone like, well they've been linked to quite a few strikers. I mean, Divock Origi on a free transfer looks like a done deal, which I think is probably not the sort of striker you want to be aiming for. But if they bring in someone as well like Gianluca Scamaka, I mean, that's a game changer right there. So there's, there's a few different moving parts here. I think Milan are, are on the precipice of really, you know, I don't want to get too excited and count the chickens before they hatch, but I get a feeling this team is about to explode in terms of its potential because the internal development as well is the other thing. A lot of these guys are still young and they're only going to get better. Yeah. So I'm talking Tamori, Teo, Kalulu, Calabria is still 26. Mike Mignon's 24. Tonali's 20. Beniss 24. Diaz got one year on his loan deal. He's still 21. Salamakers is young. Liao is going to, if Liao's taken the steps he's taken this season, how much better can he get next year? I mean, this guy is incredible. He's come in leaps and bounds from when he first arrived at Milan. It's exciting, man. I, I can't help but feel that excitement again because, you know, as an Arsenal fan, Seeing all for, these former dark years. Okay, finally, X, former. X, but as a Milan fan, seeing where this team has been for 10 plus years. Yeah, I, I get it. It is I it, get it, it is so exciting because there have been some dark days in the banter era. I know there's been some fun, funny parts we could laugh at now, but there were some really dark days. I'm talking... Mm you know, triple handshake days. I'm talking Silvio Bellasconi coming in yelling "attaccare." I'm talking, you know, Pippo Inzaghi in his big hat. I'm talking the Haka before the game. For some reason, they did the Haka to promote Nivea. They did, you know, they had the days where they were signing guys like, you know, Donnarumma's brother just to keep Gianluigi happy. You know, they were bringing in all these other you know, shocking signings that didn't pan out. And I can go on all day about how bad some of these signings are. And they're like, oh my God, streets remember that guy. Like, you know, sort of thing. So they've still got to get the job done. But my God, would it be one hell of a feather in the cap of this team? But also for Stefano Pioli.
1: Yeah. Who would have thought? It would be massive. Who would
0: have thought? Mate, the uh, the old Eggman with the turtleneck. Yeah. And him and his clone, Giacomo Morelli, as his assistant coach. Yeah. his a uh, smaller version. But... It's going to be a fun week next weekend to see what happens. But Inter, I mean, the pressure's on them. Absolutely. I mean, they, to be fair, they did have. Uh, we started the show by talking about what a great
1: back-to-the-wall performance this was for Milan against Verona. Mm. Inter had a had a win of a, a very similar nature and character against Empoli. But you, you just, I got a qu- question for you, Nick. If mm. if it does stay as things are mm. and and Milan lose. And have sort of usurped Inter into these final sort of six weeks of, of the season. Mm. Is there a particular game for Inter that Inter are gonna look back oh, at? Yeah. Can we say that at the same time? Yeah. Radu.
0: Yeah. Bologna. Bologna. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. But that was. That I mean, was there the were game. a few other
1: draws, like with Fiorentina, like a few weeks yeah. before that, like, which were a bit nervy. But, but that, this,
0: that, that one mistake, the decision to rest Handanovic is going to come back to bite them. I know yeah. Handanovic has not had the greatest season, but you're throwing in a young goalkeeper who hasn't kicked the ball all season in a, in a professional game in a big game like these aren't games to, because you know,
1: it's not just about the it's not just about the actual impact of what that loss did in terms of allowing Milan to, mm. to leapfrog into, but just the the mental impact that something like that—I mean, we kind of saw a similar thing in the the Champions League final a few years ago, yeah. Liverpool, La- and it, yeah, it, it, Carreus, it broke it, it broke Liverpool in that yeah. game, and they just no matter how much they tried, they couldn't get back in, and it broke it broke Carayos as well. He's yeah. he was never the same
0: player. He's just a big bulky man now. After like he's, that he's point, become he's become pretty a, small, a
1: beefcake. And I, I think
0: in all the games since that, it, it, it would have to just break you. Well, luckily, let. This weekend looked like it did at one point. They'll do 2 0 inside 20 minutes against a pretty poor Empoli team who have won once since December. And that win was against Napoli. Thank Mm. you very much, Empoli. Um, But they did well to battle back. And Lataro Martinez has been in some good form, to Mm. his credit. He was fantastic, scored some big goals. They're just, at the moment, like trying to keep Milan honest. Yeah, I think that's. But it's like they can't do much else right now.
1: They just have to keep winning. Exactly. Well, maybe maybe the performance today has helped to, you know put back together some of that mental fragility that might have been yeah. lost in the Bologna game. But the problem is that it doesn't matter if they win both of their next, their next two games. It's, 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 it's almost not control. about that. It's, yeah, it is it is completely in the hands of the team yeah. red and Black.
0: For me, this is, a, if they don't win it, it's a failure for Inter. I'm being blunt because they had that game in hand for so long and they were in control of their destiny for a lot longer than Milan were. Milan dropped a lot of games, but they gifted, they gift-wrapped Inter the title at one point. Like it, those draws against Torino or um Salernitana that Milan had and even against uh it was uh, was it Bologna as well that you drew against. Um they basically said Inter it's yours now. Like it, it was almost like they just said yep, it's all mm. yours. And Inter in the game that game in hand which was a game in hand for about 4 months. You know, that game got postponed back in January because of Covid, like the big Covid outbreaks at the time in Europe. Um and it got pushed back all the way till now. And it was like, okay, you know, Inter, you've got to win this game. And the pressure, it seems like it got to them. Like at that point, Inter looked like they were going to steamroll their way to the top. They just spanked Milan in the Coppa Italia. Yeah. They had the wind in their sails. And they come up against Bologna, who are a team that are not an easy beat in themselves. And they I thought it was a very arrogant de- decision to rest Handanovic in a game like this. And you're throwing a young goalkeeper in Radu, who I must again say for the record, He's not a bad goalkeeper. He played at Genoa last year. He was He's actually got a lot of ability. And I think that, you know, if he got consistent football, he could be great. But you're putting him in in a game like this. I know Handanovic had back soreness and they wanted to rest him. But my God, like this is, this is we're talking crucial games at the end of the season. You are doing all you can to make sure your back's fine. If you are playing with a bit of an ailment, you've got to play. Especially because you've played, what, 33 or 34 games, however many it was before that. If you're Simone Inzaghi, you're saying, mate, I need you out there. I need my leaders out there. I need an experienced head. Because Josh and I spoke about it last week. The goal, the own goal, it was a schoolboy error. Like the ball's coming back to him. He goes to clear it. But, you know, the number one rule of goalkeeping is you don't swing at the ball when it's coming at you like that. Yeah. You're
1: clearing it with this foot it's, here. It's, it's that it, we've never seen that yeah. go well for any keeper. And, history. you know,
0: sorry, no, sorry. You're, you're not swinging at the ball. You, you are playing it. As the balls coming to you, you're playing it in front of you. You're not p- playing across. It's like when we're taught as kids. Don't play across goal. Yeah, that's like the number one rule of goalkeeping because you stuff up that kick. But it's 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 the
1: kind of error you make if you've barely played a yeah, minute exactly. all season. So really, a lot a lot of people are, were making that that mistake in the aftermath of it. All about the righto, keeper yeah. oh, how terrible. But is, it's also is on Simon but, but it's exactly yeah. the the real. The real uh, person who has to be under the microscope for something like that in the moment and now if things stay as they are at the end of the season is Inzaki. Because obviously it's great to have faith in your reserve here, but but you've got to know he's played reduced minutes this year. He's not going to have that match sharpness that every other player who's been involved week in, week out will have. And it's a massive risk that... I think you'll look back on with a,
0: a lot of pain. It's funny you talk about missed opportunities, but my mind Sliding also doors. goes back to one other game. The first Milan derby of the season. Now, if you remember what happened this game, it was a one-all draw. Mm. Lautaro Martinez had a penalty saved by Ciprian Tatarashanu. And that penalty save, if he, if he didn't save that, Inter's right now in the, in the box seat. They win that game. Milan. You would have, have thought the have reserve keepers. For We're talking about reserve. It's, it's an amazing. It's an amazing. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing to think.
1: The biggest three factors on the Serie A title race is
0: and this is why Serie A is so good. The uh, two reserve goalkeepers. Yep. And Bologna. And Bologna. <laughs> yeah, Bologna. And it's the former yeah, Milan coach Sinisa Mihajlovic. I mean, he was not on the bench the last two games. Obviously, we wish him all the best. Yeah. But he's also orchestrated this because this is his team, you know. And it is quite amazing to think that Bologna. Cyprian, Tatrashanu and Radu are going to be the reasons as to why Milan could win the title this season. And that is why the Italian league is the best in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. But just running through the other results very quickly before we go to a quick break and jump into some Scottish football. Uh, This weekend, you know, Napoli and Juventus' title hopes are now officially over, which is great. Juve losing 2-1 against Genoa on the weekend, who are actually, we've spoken about it before, Alex Blesson in charge, but David Zdrilic, Australia's own, David George, the assistant coach of that team. And in, Juve were up 1-0 for most of the game and then completely bottled it in the last couple of minutes. Uh, Goodmanson, then Domenico Crescito scoring from the spot. But Moise Kane missing an open goal minutes before the penalty. Like, that cost them. Juve would have won that game. And in the end, Genoa come away with a win. They're still in the hunt for the relegation battle at the moment, which we'll get to in a sec. Napoli, they, at the time, kept their slim title. Hopes alive with a 1-0 win over Torino. But for them, it's all for naught right now. It's a bit of a disappointing yeah. end to the season for them. But arguably the other great story coming out of this season is Salernitana, who got out of the relegation zone this week with a win against Venezia and then consolidated that with a one all draw against Cagliari this morning. Um, but it could have been a win had it not been for a 99th-minute equaliser from Giorgio Altare, who kept Cagliari's survival hopes of their own alive, ensuring that this is going right to the final day. So you've got... Venezia on in 20th, 5 points off the off the race. They're yeah, basically yeah, they're, down, but yeah. they actually won yesterday against Bologna 4-3. So that was quite amazing in itself. We hope Venezia stay up. So we want those beautiful kits but For the culture, here. for yeah. the culture. Genoa still in it. They got a win. They're 2 points inside. Cagliari and Sal- Cagliari on 29 points, a point inside behind Salernitano's on 30. And then you've got Spezia and Sampdoria on 33 points who both dropped points in their last games against Atalanta and Lazio, I believe, yeah, respectively. So that's going right down to the wire, that we could have any of those teams going down. And we also know that Lecce and Cremonese, Cremonese, real throwback to the 90s, getting promoted to Serie A next season, the playoffs to be determined. But it's good to see Salernitana, uh, coached by Davide Nicola, who if, I don't know if you remember this, Lachie, but he's the coach Crotone. And he had a similar great escape with Crotone a few years ago where they were dead and buried, and he somehow kept them up for an extra season. And he's, you know, lightning is striking twice, but this time with another Na- Napolitano team in Salernitana. Crotone obviously just down the road from Napoli, but also, no, sorry, there's are Southern Italian. I'm thinking of Benevento. Sorry about that. Salernitana, beautiful part of the world in Salerno. We want Salernitana to That's stay up. That's the
1: reason Nick wants him to stay up because it, know, it, it's, it's a boost to his potential you, future travel plans. You know
0: what's sad? right? All the teams that are battling relegation are beautiful destinations. Venezia in Venice, Cagliari in Sardegna, which is a beautiful part of the world. Genoa, beautiful part of the world. At least Sampdoria will probably stay up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Salerno in Salerno, beautiful part of the world. Empoli, uh, it's not bad. It's in Tuscany. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, Tuscany is a beautiful part of the world. So, I mean, come on, surely like, you know, we have to think about the culture here, guys. To think about the yeah. Culture. I mean, I, I really wish that uh league tables were decided on culture at Norman Football, yes. Yeah, so It'll very different if they we were have activity. a lot of Kappa kits and a lot of Venezia right up there with uh yeah. the, with the stakes on that one, but anyways, Lockie, let's take a quick break. We'll, when we come back, we'll jump into some Scottish football. Yes. Ange is closing in on the title, indeed, he is. And Hearts, unfortunately, with a sacrificial lamb this week.
1: Eh, that's all right, we got our third place trophy Can't and
0: a big final coming up as well,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Coming up with just plenty more on the other side of this On the Euro Show, brought to you by GIS. Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata, Buona giornata. There's no
1: really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus.
0: (laughs) You thought I forgot about you, did you? You thought I forgot about you, did you? Attaccare! Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick debano and Lucky Flanagan taking you right through to 7pm here on FNR. This show today brought to you by GIS Global Institute of Sport. If you're looking to launch your career in fo- the football industry, make sure you head over to FNR. Study your master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis here in Melbourne at the MCG. Or if you're based abroad... We just want to potentially venture over to to the UK and take on this course. Why not? Why not? You're going to get the chance to study over in Manchester at the Etihad Stadium or potentially even at Wembley if you're down in London too and you're hanging out with Thomas Lukabaka who has his apartment right across the road. And he's also a graduate of, of uh, of GIS. So make sure if you want to get a testimony from him, You'll be able yeah, to attest it. He's a, out. a fantastic coach. him. I will pass on his number.
1: You can cold call him. We'll Absolutely. do Absolutely. Um, you can get
0: I, the leverage on Thomas. Exactly. That
1: would be very nice. You can get the, uh, the inside leverage on GIS as well. Yes. You know what you're signing up for when you do enroll. And I do hope that uh, anyone who is uh, clever enough to sign up for one of those uh, coaching and analysis courses, potentially Nick is... Uh, does a module on uh, the job that Ange Postecoglou has done oh, absolutely. with Celtic?
0: Yeah, make sure you you know you're you have taken I a just leaf, hope that's taking, a unit of study. I yeah, you know, hope d- that's a subject. You take you take a leaf, you know, out of the book of uh, you know Ange Postecoglou. Mm. You know, he's cooking saying, up something good this oh, season. Absolutely, that's for sure. absolutely. But anyways, Lockie, um, let's get into some Scottish football. Absolutely, let's Please. get into it. I mean, Celtic are closing in. They're closing right in. On um, you know the potential to you know get the, the hands on the championship. I mean, it's been such a great turnaround. The Ange Postacoglu, I believe it's done or just about it's one not point. Any
1: any result, uh, any positive result, I should say. Of course, a loss is also a result. Any yeah. positive result against Dundee United coming up. Uh, this weekend, or oh, Wednesday? Sorry, 8 Wednesday. Th- yeah. it's Wednesday, eight thirty PM. So, is it like a public holiday in Scotland? I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure, but it's a very accessible time for anyone here in Australia who wants to watch the game. Eight thirty PM, Wednesday, the eleventh.
0: Mm.
1: Any point against Dundee United, be it one, three, or two, somehow. Uh, I don't know how that would happen, but anyway, any amount of points will uh, wrap the title up for Celtic.
0: So, Dundee. Do they have a chance? Let's play devil's advocate here. Do they have a chance based off when you've seen Dundee play Hearts this season? You being a big Hearts fan, Lockie.
1: Well, I actually actually watched Dundee United play Hearts not all that long ago. They did play a few. They did play a few weeks back, and look, they gave they gave Hearts a little bit of a problem, but it was for about maybe twenty, thirty minutes of the mm-hmm. total game, and Hearts. After that, were yeah. relatively in control. Like the gap between, obviously, the Scottish League has split into their top six and bottom six for the rest of the season. But mm. the gap between third and fourth, the top two, yeah, Hearts in third, and the other two teams being Dundee United and, and oh, sorry, the other three Dun- teams, Dundee Motherwell. United, Motherwell, Ross County. Yeah, the gap there is huge. Mm. Between se- at the start of the split, between second and third, <laughs> there was sixteen points. Yeah between second and fourth.
0: Yeah. 36 it's- points. Or 32 points, sorry. Right now it's 39 points. Yeah, it's even more. So yeah.
1: if Hearts were able to breeze past them at Tannadice a few weeks ago, yeah. I think that Celtic can at the very least, and I know I know Ange is not going to be that guy <laughs> who is going to batten down the hatches yeah. and just try and play for a draw. He won't yeah. compromise on his principles. But he could if he wanted to, and it would probably be enough to get oh. the title
0: to Celtic Park for this season. You know, season. I kind of want it to be dragged out to the final day just because I'm, I'm all for the entertainment value on Saturday night. Celtic versus Motherwell, you know. At 9.15pm, going head-to-head with Rangers versus Hearts, and I want it to go right down to the nitty-gritty. So, wait. If Hearts and Celtic finishes a tie, Rangers finish first. Sorry, Celtic and Rangers finish top, like a tie. Rangers finish first, is that correct? Sorry, if Rangers make up the gap, just yes. in a hypothetical sense, do they finish top? Is it head to head or is it goal difference?
1: I actually don't know. I mean, I would, I would say goal difference, of which there's
0: about mm. a twenty-goal gap. So at either the way, moment. it's it's going to take two. But Absolutely. I'm going to yeah. be, I'm going to be
1: honest with you, Nick. I'm pretty sure that one point will be enough from either of Motherwell or well, it is literally just one point. Yeah, that's all they need. Yeah. I'm pretty sure from either Motherwell or Dundee United they can find a single point of a possible six.
0: I would like to think so. I like their I'd chances. like to think they're not Even the way they it. just
1: swept aside a team on Saturday night who are far better than both of those yep. teams in, in Hearts,
0: I think they've probably got that covered. Are Hearts kind of in autopilot until the Scottish Cup final at the oh, moment?
1: I mean, they they probably are a bit. They've got – they in the league now, they literally have nothing to play for as they have <laughs> – Just play as spoiler, as, yeah. As has been the case for, for weeks now. They've got third place wrapped up. They beat Hibbs in the Scottish Cup semi-final, yeah. so their spot uh, for in, in the Europa League playoffs is guaranteed. Yep. Their spot in the Europa League, Europa Conference League, if they lose that playoff, is also guaranteed. They're in the group stage. So they're playing European football no matter no what, lot,
0: which is fantastic. So, yeah.
1: So maybe they were a little bit in second gear in this game, but yeah. to be fair, they did take the lead early into the mm-hmm. game through Ellis Sims. It was a little bit controversial. It was on the borderline of being offside, but it was a well-worked goal. Uh, four Hearts, beautiful pass, two Sims from, from Liam Boyce, the two strikers, combining. But after that, Nick, yeah, Celtic just just wiped the floor, yeah, with Hearts. They they absolutely caught, they absolutely pummeled them. Four one the final score, but in the second second, uh, first half I should say, Craig Gordon had to pull out some unbelievable saves. Mm. That's probably stopped this game from being six or or yeah. seven
0: one, yeah. I mean, got to give Craig Gordon credit. He's actually still going and playing as well as he is at 39 years he's, old as well, is, which is incredible.
1: There is a case to be made that he is the best keeper in the whole country. The whole, the, sorry, the the whole, whole, of, the whole of England. The whole of the UK. Union. Yeah. You in think ter- so? In terms of form and how much he's added to a single, You'd have him ahead of Aaron Ramsdale? In terms of form <laughs> and ha- not in terms of... Like, if we're talking pure one-to-one quality, it's obviously... Yes. It's obvious that any... Premier League keeper is probably going to be above the Wait, are you talking
0: born in the UK or just playing in the No, no, no,
1: playing in the UK. In terms of if if you're judging the quality of a keeper by what they bring to their side, how much better, how many points they have saved and brought to a team, I don't think that any single goalkeeper has contributed more to their side than Craig Gordon. That's an interest. That's a very bold take. There are more than... Okay, Nick, there are more than... There are dozens of Hearts fans that I know that will will tell you, especially in that sort of period in the middle of the Scottish season where Hearts Mm. were a bit up and down, struggling to get results. The difference between having Craig Gordon and not having Craig Gordon this season for Hearts is probably the difference between where they are now and maybe finding themselves in the relegation group at the split. Like, I'm talking a 20-point difference interesting. he's he's created
0: this year. I'm not going to lie, I haven't watched much of Craig Gordon this season. He's been so like I, I, I am I mean, actually, he's, yeah. he's
1: the goal. He was in the he was in the the Scottish Premiership team of the year. Wow, ahead of ahead of you know Joe either Hart. either of the other options ahead of Joe Hart. Uh, some Celtic fans weren't happy about that, but he's been incredible. Yeah. But even in this game, he did make some good saves in the first half. But after that, there was nothing he could do for the rest. Celtic just breezed by. They really yeah. they really made Hart's look second rate. Right. Yeah, yeah. They well, just tore the. The defence, the combination play, just tore Hearts' defence. You think Hearts shreds. can win
0: the final? Well, yes. And the off re- game, yeah. Well, I
1: do. The reason I do is because of Rangers being in the Europa League final true, three true, days yeah, earlier yeah. against Frankfurt. Otherwise, I'd be a little bit iffy. You know, Rangers are going to be mm. galvanised. They'll be desperate to get at least some silverware. But they've yeah. got this European final to play for. They will be throwing everything at that. Yeah, They will be throwing not even... Not the kitchen sink. It's like the whole kitchen. Yeah. The whole bench it comes mm. it comes along with it. The cupboards, maybe even yeah. the, the cistern from the toilet. Oh, as well. absolutely. Like, everything will be uh, the whole house will be yeah. thrown at this Europa League final. And if they win it, or if they win it, they'll be so up and about. They'll have had two straight days of partying in the streets of Glasgow. Yeah. That they, who cares about just just letting hearts, you know, take take their Scottish yeah. Cup the off season and if they lose, they'll be, they'll have given so much. They'll be so demoralized that hearts. Are, I, I don't know. I think they're still in with a chance, but I wouldn't have said that if, if Rangers didn't have their eye on, on another prize.
0: Interesting. Very, very interesting. Because think about that. Will, yeah, that no, no, will no, allow no, no.
1: Rangers to, because they're, I know. these two teams are so sensitive in relation to what they, the other one is doing. Like they're always obsessed yeah. with how the other team, as much as they don't like to admit it, Celtic and Rangers are obsessed with one another <laughs> yeah. and what happens. And Celtic will look at that Europa League win as a way to completely invalidate the <laughs> achievement that Celtic have of pulling themselves up off yeah. the canvas from last season. Because Rangers won the Europa League. And winning the title. Like, well, who cares? We won We won in Europe. So yeah. stick my fingers in my ear. I can't hear what you're saying, Celtic fans. We won in,
0: won in Europe. You won out. Hey, but then you guys might win the Scottish Cup final. Better than that. Well, you know, well, better, everyone, than league, everyone, better than winning the knows, league. Better than the Europa
1: League. Everyone knows that the Scottish Cup is the most prestigious honour that any any player can hope to win in their career um, in Europe. Yeah. In, in Scotland. Any, yeah. In Scotland.
0: Oh, my God. Sorry. I just got the biggest fright from Pakua Frimpong, who just walked into the studios. Oh, me, oh, my. And I just literally, like, I, my heart jumped out of – I almost jumped out of my skin. Sorry, Lockie. Sorry for, for people listening on the podcast. Pakua yeah. has just walked in
1: and dragged, dragged a, a bunch of uh, the stools we have out in the uh, the
0: green room. And we didn't realize that she was here, so that gave us quite a shock. And I, I looked out and I saw someone looking at me, and I was like, "Whoa!" I thought no one else was coming in. So, <laughs> and you can tell how frightening it yeah. was because Pekua
1: is not a scary person. No, at, no offense, Pekua. She's got a very, very kind face and a kind unless, eyes. Unless, and you're... even, even in the context of that, Pekua being someone who wouldn't hurt us, hurt a unless fly. unless you're a
0: Druceus twin. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, we were still scared. Anyways, uh, let's quickly, we're going to wrap up in just a sec, Lockie, but let's just go back to the Champions League and just quickly go through last week. because It was a crazy week of, you know, semi-finals, uh, namely that City versus Real Madrid semi. Um, Madrid, I said to Josh last week, Madrid are going to do it. And he was like, nah, no chance, mate. City are going to get it done. I felt such a great sense of vindication when, you know, Rodrigo scored that double. In stop, stoppage time, and then they ended up going on and winning it in, in penalty uh, in extra time. But I subscribe to the belief that Madrid don't win it if uh, Richie isn't posting that photo. If that photo isn't post of him holding up the Benzema shirt, there was some sort of connection between yeah, Cam and Richie. Well, Ritchie. I mean,
1: I think this game was so much about. It's funny because I, I'm usually someone who's pretty obsessive over the tactical elements of yeah. a, of, a, of a game, kind of thing, but. This game was just, or this tie was just so much about the psychological aspects yeah. that I'm almost willing to believe your theory <laughs> that a French internet meme wearing a Real Madrid shirt did play into the turn of you, events here. Do you
0: think that like the City players were just thinking of Richie staring at them or Richie doing his like punching? You know, I and think they like... were scared of Richie walking up to them with a uh, car washing hose, and <laughs> just, a you big know, old spray, just giving them a spray. Yeah. Um, but on a serious note, Madrid versus Liverpool final. It's a rematch of 2018. Um, We remember that game fondly. We spoke about it just before, about the Morris Carrius fumbles. Uh, It won't be Carrius between the sticks this time. And obviously, remember Mo Salah doing his shoulder in that game famously. Uh, What is going to happen this time around? Because Liverpool obviously have a lot still to play for. Because they're going to be battling still for the Premier League title, we think, till the final day. I mean... Mm. The result against Dono Conte on the weekend uh, on did, the didn't didn't help them out at all. But Madrid, they've been celebrating and been in Ibiza during La Liga, you know, spending in between time for quite some time now. Is that going to help Madrid the fact that they can just get everyone fit, get everything ready, just throw out all the B team, guys like Danny Caballos and, you know, Gareth Bale and Luka Jovic and Marco Asenzi on his Isco and go... Yeah, you guys just played the last few games. Don't even worry about it. Well, the thing is those t- those players are probably
1: still good enough relative to the rest of the I know, to it's still, it's still play, yeah. i win every game anyway. I am so conflicted about... Who you want to win. Well, not about who I want to win, but who I think is going to win. I, I, my my crystal ball is is not very crystal at the moment. It's, really cl- it's very cloudy. Clouded. It's very cloudy, and I can't currently see through it. Because, let's face it, this... As good as it was, as exciting as it was, as much mm. of a how-good-is-football kind of turn of events, Real Madrid toppling Man City in the second leg, was they have pulled back-to-back-to-back knockout fixtures. out Like, they have pulled that result out of absolutely nowhere. They've led in those games for, like, less than 20 20 minutes (laughs) in in, in regular time, and they've won all three. It would be absolutely ridiculous if they were able to... I think Liverpool are the better side.
0: Yeah, they okay? are the better side. I but, but I think Liverpool I think Madrid's are the side win.
1: will be the better team in the game on the day, but like it would be insane if they could pull it out it's, in four consecutive games.
0: It's in the DNA for Madrid. Champions League is in their DNA. This is the history of, of the, of the Real, Real Madrid, and mm. I genuinely think they're going to win. I am. Well, this is the,
1: this is the thing. They yeah. shouldn't. They yeah. shouldn't. They but, shouldn't but even be everything there. everything I've seen about what's happened, the way they have bleep housed their way yeah. through every single knockout game they've played to get to this one, I'm convinced. I am buying it because even if their backs are against the wall in the, in this game and Liverpool are, are peppering the goal and Thibaut Courtois mm. is doing his best to to keep it level, we all know that Carlo Ancelotti has something gonna, up his sleeve. Is, is going to look at look at his side and just go,
0: yeah. Mm. And for
1: the podcast listeners, that was me uh, furrowing my brow and making this a, a rock like expression <laughs> that Carlo Ancelotti is known for doing on the sidelines. He's gonna do that and then all of a sudden all his every single player in the eleven is going to turn into a world beater.
0: It basically it's literally, you know, him saying, you know, my turn now. You know, you've thrown your best cards. All I need is ten minutes. You he know, just needs and, two eyebrows. Yeah. And there you go. I wish I had that power through my there eyebrows. There's your eyebrows. But my my eyebrows. Well, my eyebrows don't have that power. You can put that in a definition actually, book. Actually,
1: you know, you know, how, you know the reason I want would want Real Madrid to win, and it's one reason only, because Real Madrid are not a likable team. They're they're likable when they they or can be likable when they come up against PSG, Chelsea, Manchester City, and Liverpool. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think I and think, Liverpool
0: mm, and Liverpool. I don't know. I don't know. And Liverpool. I think I
1: think Liverpool are more likable, but yeah. for Karim Benzema.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Nothing would would fit the impact that he's had on this team, the way he's played, mm. than pulling this European glory and being the yeah. focal point, being the star man, and maybe even getting the absolute top individual honour,
0: which he should get. Mm. It's about damn time.
1: I mean, I I think I think the uh, the Champions League would guarantee it for
0: him. Well, I'm going to go on a whim and say that Madrid are going to win this game just based off history and I just want to see it happen as well for no particular reason but I anyways. think
1: regardless it's yeah. going to be good because, it's gonna be fun because Real Madrid again like you said it's it's a DNA even if they're behind they will they will believe that this result yeah. is predetermined that the title or the the trophy is theirs to win so they will even if they are up against mm. it they will do something ridiculous oh, someone absolutely. will make someone will make some ridiculous challenge that gets them yeah a red card to, to save Liverpool scoring a yeah. goal. Someone will pull a amazing goal from 30 yards in the, in this much in, in the same way that Gareth Bale did last yeah. time. These two sides met out of their proverbial. Someone will be so uh, unsettled by the talk that Real Madrid bring on the pitch that they're forced into a, a careless error. A yeah. Liverpool player that forces a goal. I, I can Who see knows? this. I can see this very much following the narrative that we saw the last time yeah. these two sides met in the final.
0: Well, that's one of three finals. There's two other big ones. Mm. I'm talking Conference League, baby. And the Scottish Cup. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Europa League final, as well, as you mentioned, Rangers playing Eintracht Frankfurt, but as well, the Conference League final between Feyenoord and AS Roma. And one thing I loved out of that Roma win was Jose Mourinho post-game in (laughs) tears. And I think he has done a brilliant job after January in turning things around for Roma because things were looking very prickly at one at one stage. But he's done a great job of getting them back on track. And if they can get a bit of silverware to vindicate just this little bit of, you know, what's been, I think, progress this season under Mourinho. Mm. They won't play Champions League next season. I don't even know if the winner of the Conference League gets guaranteed Champions League next I'm not year. Sure. I'm not too sure. I've still been digging on that one. But nonetheless, I hope that Roma can get it because it would give, you know... He would give an Italian team also some trophy. Well for the Forza coefficient. Yeah, And
1: it it also made a bit of a mockery of of people who are like, Oh, who really cares about the conference? conference Because because Jose Mourinho posted that video of him coming into the stadium Mm. in the bus and the Roma fans were Yeah. Everywhere, yeah. That is not a group of supporters who do not care about their results in the Euro well, Conference
0: League. There's one thing to remember as well, Lockie. This is a Roma fan base that is starved of success. That exactly. They want a trophy. They haven't won a copper in a while. They haven't won the league in over almost 20 years now. Uh, they have they got to the semis of the Champions League a couple of years ago, famously, but they haven't had that success. You know that that that, that just that final you know bit yeah. of, just that bit of silverware. You know that they had with Francesco Totti, with Daniela De Rossi, with Vincenzo Montella up top as well, and that really good Roma team of the early 2000s. And now they're going to have that opportunity of getting it by defeating Feyenoord in a couple of weeks' time. So going to be fun to see how it all plays out. But, Lockie, before we go, um, obviously just to quickly run our eyes through the weekend's fixtures, we spoke about of that Celtic could wrap it up in midweek if they just get a result against Dundee United. Um, they should. By Thursday, we yes. will have
1: crowned the Scottish Champions I am willing to, to
0: in, say that. In La Liga, basically all wrapped up in terms of Champions League spots as well. Barca are through. Sevilla and Atletico Madrid basically just need to get results to get away from Real Betis. Uh, in League 1 just quickly having a look there. Well, PSG's already wrapped it up, but Marseille clear of Monaco by three. So a bit of a tight run there for the Champions League positions. Rennes as well in Hutton, as well as Strasbourg and Nice. Both in the hunt as well, still for a Champions League spot. Coppa Italia final on Thursday morning. Unfortunately, you can't watch it anywhere in Italy. You know, unless you have a, a VPN. But uh, you know, that's you know can you, Inter. can you Go even watch me?
1: it in Australia?
0: No, you can't. No one's got the rights to Coppa Italia. Unless it's going to be on YouTube. You're I hope it's to, on YouTube. You're
1: going to have to furiously tweet at someone again, Nick. I've, I've done it plenty of times. Mate. It's, it's, worked first before, it's worked before. Hey,
0: I got us the rights basically on the, well, the, if, the eve if, of the season last season. If, last if you're season.
1: listening at, you know, the, at your preferred broadcast yep. provider and say, can you please get... Just at Nick finals Just probe. at Nick Stoll. Yeah.
0: That's it. Just tell a them, big favor
1: you could do is, as a, as a listener, just absolutely. To, to yeah, get that going.
0: Well, yeah, Coppa Italia final Thursday morning, Juve versus Inter, and then of course this weekend Serie A title race coming right down to the nitty gritty. Milan can wrap it up with a win, and Inter if they don't beat Cagliari, it's all Milan. So Milan, and playing, as you mentioned, Cagliari bad. scrapping yeah. for survival. As so well. Milan play Atalanta at two a.m. on Monday morning, shocking time slot. Then going into that 4.45am, Cagliari hosting Inter. It's going to be great, Lockie. I cannot freaking wait. I'm so excited. As a I Mila just can't fan, wait I'm for so your pumped. reaction, whatever direction that oh, this weekend is. It, look, it's going to go either a three ways. One, it's going to be really disappointed because at the end of the day, like Milan might bottle it. It could be absolute adulation, the fact that they've wrapped it up this week, or it could just be, oh, another week of this. Well,
1: e- Either way, I'll be there furiously checking the group chat to see
0: what message? Well, I hope, I, I hope that you're going to be up for the game, Lockie. Two a.m. I can't. I'm an old man if, now. If Nick, Formula One's on Lockie, you know you might be able to. To be to. fair,
1: the Formula One was at five thirty this morning. Yeah, was, down in Miami. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a much more agreeable time. Yeah. So I don't really agree with the venue, but anyway. Unfortunately,
0: the only win Miami had today. We're not going to get into this that. This is the F1 podcast. No, no, it's not. But uh, nonetheless, Lockie, time for us to say goodbye. This yeah. show today has been brought to you by GIS Global Institute of Sport. If you're interested in launching your global career in the football industry, head over to gis.sport/fnr. We'll be back again next Monday for another edition of the Euro Show. But tomorrow as well, big show coming back, Lockie. Paco Radio. Now, Paco yeah. Radio was a hit among the listeners last year. Uh, we didn't get to go through a full season because of COVID shut down the season. Unfortunately, meant we just didn't have the content to go through with Paco Radio in that period. We're back tomorrow. Lou Toner in the studio. Well, if
1: I can, if I can plug the show for you as a as a listener, as a listener of the show, it's just a you know an Mm. unbiased observer, because Nick is obviously on there. If you tune into Paco Radio tomorrow night, you will get to listen to an hour of one of the best blokes. One of the best blokes in Victorian football that you can ever hope to speak to. One of the most generous people I've ever ever had the chance of communicating with. And Mm. Nick Dubano will be there as well.
0: Well Luke, Luke <laughs> Tone-up on the show, the president of Pascoval, Val, and also as well, Alex Babo, the senior head coach of the... Um, sorry, hang on. Is that a bit of a... Alex Cobo, I mean, you know, it was mean. Cobo. Alex sorry, Cobo. I this is the thing, because Athena Babo is the social media person, and sometimes they get mixed up. So it's the same sort of ending in the four letters. Alex Cobo, the senior head coach. Well, I'm well, interested to hear Riga. what you have to
1: say to him because he's uh, a Spanish speaker is what I've
0: Yeah, got well, Alex, gathered on the
1: touchline and well, a few Spanish signings as well. So. Yeah,
0: and they've had a tough week on the field, of, unfortunately, the washout and then a tough loss on the weekend mm. as well. So very curious to hear what's going on there with Pasco Vale Football Club, but looking forward to it nonetheless. But that comes after the Oz Football Hour with yourself yeah. and Jason Goldsmith. We'll have a, uh, a premiers plate to uh, to dissect. Yes, and I've got to get to Amy Park, so mm. i better go. But anyways, this has been the Euro Show, brought to you by GIS, your global institute in sport. Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona Buona giornata.
1: There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus.
0: <laughs> you don't ever got a match, did you? You don't ever got a batch did you? Attaccare!